Bible? It is the word of truth. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer and not a doubter. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text come today from, again from 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. New Living Translation says this. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Somebody say, we urge you. We urge you in the name. He invokes Jesus' name as he gives them this word of encouragement to urge them. He says, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God. As we have taught you, you live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. So we're doing okay. But he's saying, God is saying, there's something more that you can. Don't ever stop trying to live better than you're living today. Don't think this is it. Don't think you have arrived. Always believe that you can do more. Amen. Whatever good you're doing, you can do more. Amen? He says, for you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. This is going to be our fourth sermon in the series that we've been centered around the question, how you're living. And I said that the intent uh, of the question is for us to do a self-examination where we study our behavior and our motivation, a time where we allow the word of God and the spirit of God to, to cause us to take an introspective and self-contemplative look at ourselves, because it's important that each one of us answer the question, how you're living for yourself, amen? It's not about your friend, it's not about your family, but it's about you. And so when we define the word live, is how we act and conduct ourselves to, to control and to control and order our behavior in a way that pleases and glorifies the Lord. The word live implies a continuous act. Somebody say continuous. In other words, God don't see living for you as a one-off. He don't expect you to live good one day and stop. He expects you to strive to live good every day in a way that's going to please him every day. So it is a continuous action where we habitually walk in a way that glorify the Lord. Now last week we spent a moment talking about living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And today we're going to continue our journey uh, on this topic in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 16, 16 through 18. And we got to see here that as the body of Christ, God wants us to do all that we can to live in harmony and peace with one another and even with those who will come against you because of what you believe, God still expects you to try to live in peace with those folks. Somebody needs to say amen. amen. See, harmony is working together in agreement, a spirit of cooperation, not competition. And, and when we're walking and working together in harmony, that means we're in tune, we're in step with one another. Then peace is how we conduct ourselves or how we act in a way where we don't have conflict, strife, and contention. See, the book of Colossians tells us in 3.15, for as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Somebody say called. You got a calling on your life to live in peace. And if we got a calling on our life to live in peace, as Christians, we shouldn't be raising hell all over town in houses, well, on our jobs. Because we've been, you, you ain't just here to be here. You've been called to live in peace. Amen. Y'all need to say amen. You've been, when you got saved, part of your call was to live in peace. Jesus told his disciples, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. God wants you to have it, and he expects you to walk. Now look at this. We find this in, 
in Romans chapter 12, verse 16 through 18 says, live in harmony with one another or with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. In other words, he's saying, now look, every now and then you can't put yourself on such a pedestal that you think you can't come down and deal with people that you consider in a lower stage, status, or station in life. God didn't call us to be high-minded to the point that we think we don't need to deal with people that we think that we got more education than, more money than, you know, more intellect than. All those things don't matter to God. God said, hey, don't get so elevated that you can't find peace with people that's below. He says, now look, verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. In other words, you have to do such a thing, do things in such a way that people can see that you are a, a decent person that they can have high respect and high esteem for you all because of the way you carry yourself. He says, so when you do such a thing in a way that everybody can see that you are honorable, Brother Wilson, people ought to be able to look at our lives and say, hey, that's an honorable sister, that's an honorable brother, all because they're trying to do things decently and in order. And then he tells us in 13, do all you can. Do all you can. So that means I got to do all I can to live at peace with everybody. So in other words, he's telling me it's not on the other person. It's on me. If the other person want to be upset, that's okay. But in this situation, I got to be the one that want to give the olive branch. I got to be the peacemaker and not the peace breaker. So I got to do everything within my power to live at peace with folks that don't want to live at peace with me. I can't control them, but I can control me. And so he says, as much as depend on me, or as much as depend on you, oftentimes we lose our peace because we're looking at the other person and we want to have our peace based upon how they're acting instead of being how we're acting. And if that's what you're waiting on to have peace, you're going to find out you're going to be a frustrated Christian waiting on other folks to be peaceful with you before you can be peaceful with Somebody says, as much as depending on you. So now when you say that in that way, that means that the next time something cross you up, you got to say, hey, it's up to me to be the one to be peaceful in this situation. I ain't waiting on the other person. God said it's up to, as much as depending on me, live peaceable with all people. And you know, that, that philosophy will work anywhere in life, whether it's on your job, with your friends, with your family. Man, you're going to have disagreements, but you got to say as much as depending on me. The problem is not going to be mine, it's going to be theirs. I'm going to do everything in my power to be at peace. Amen. And so when we understand this and, and we see that God wants us to live this way in peace and harmony, he wants us to do that not with just our friends and family, but he also wants us to do it with people that we don't necessarily get along with. You know, in, in Hebrews 12, 14, the Bible says, pursue peace with all people. Now, if God got to tell you to chase after something, that means it is not easy to obtain. So if you want to have peace in your life, you're going to have to make it happen. It ain't going to just... You got to be pursuing peace. And that's what I want to say to some of you who are married right now. You've been married for a short time, long time, every now and then. You know, every now and then the devil come in the house just try to mess your peace up. But one of y'all going to have to make up in your mind, I'm going to pursue she may not want to be peaceful right now, but I'm going to chase after it. Because if I chase after God, say, I can't obtain it. But if I get in my corner and say, I don't care about it, then guess what? The enemy is going to win the day. Seek peace and pursue it. 
Romans chapter 15. In Romans chapter 15, Paul addressed harmony in Romans chapter 15, verse 4 through 7, where he petitioned God to help them to live in complete harmony. Now look at this. In chapter 15, verse 4, he says, Such things are written in Scripture long ago to teach us. Somebody say to teach us. The things that we read in this Bible were written a long time ago. But they were written so that we can learn how God wants us to live. So the things that God wrote that he left for us is designed to teach us. And the scripture give us hope and encouragement as we patiently wait for God's promise to be fulfilled. While we're waiting on Jesus to come back, we're supposed to get hope and encouragement from the word of God. And once we get that hope and that encouragement from the word of God, then look what he says. May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other. Say, so man, look, Cliff, this thing about harmony and peace with folk is so vital that he knows you can't do it by yourself. So when I pray for you, I got to pray that God will help you live in complete harmony. Because if God don't get in the mix, your flesh ain't going to want to live in complete harmony with some folk. <laughs> some folk just have said too much about you, done posted just too much about you. And so now if God don't intervene, that post going to upset you. And, and when it upsets your peace, there's no way you're going to live in complete he didn't want you to be partial harmony. He said he wants you to, Lachelle, he said come with each other as fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. He said, now look, there's a certain way that is fit for you to live. And if you're a follower of Christ Jesus, he said, look, you got to live like God wants you to live because there's a certain way, a certain standard, a certain behavior that is fitting for who you are in him. Everything that we do is not fitting for who we are. Y'all better hear me today. I say everything that we do sometimes is not fitting for who we are. All because we don't know who we are in the Lord and don't know what he expects of us. He says you got to live at peace with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. So there's a right and proper way you're supposed to live because you follow Jesus. I know that don't set well sometimes. Because Jesus got some demands. He got a standard that he want us to live by. Because he know what's fitting for him. And so therefore, when he outlined those things for us, Sometimes we rebel against that because we don't want to meet the standard that he has established. So you got to be fitted to be a follower. Somebody say fitted. You know enough when the world you tell about, you just ain't fit for nothing. You know y'all somebody say, don't they? Now you understand. They, 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 they trying to send you a message. And I'm trying to tell you today, I'm sending you a message, hey, you got to be fit to follow Jesus. You just can't follow him any kind of... I know y'all didn't want to hear this today because, you know, we don't want folks to tell us we're unfit. <laughs> but you know, even the world got standards, Cliff. When I was in the world, my friend would let me know when I wasn't living up to the... They were just saying, you ain't fit to run with us. Because there are certain things we do when we run together, you ain't fit. And if I wanted to continue to run with them, I had to get So what I'm trying to tell you, if you want to keep running with Jesus, you got to get fit. You got to get with the program. Anthony, stop messing with me back there. Let me, let me work this for a minute. Anthony, <laughs> you must have been in my study hall last night. But anyway, you, you got to get with God's program. Now look at this. Look what he says. Once we understand that there's a standard that we got to live by, he says, now look, 
then all of you will join together with one voice, harmony. Kind of like, you know, when a choir get together and they got different voice ranges, but they can sing certain notes in harmony where they sound like one. You can't do that if you ain't got no peace. <laughs> you, you know, even in your family, y'all can't make music together if you ain't in, in harmony. You know, when you're arguing with each other, that ain't... When you're raising your voice and saying certain things and muttering under your breath, that is not... He's saying, now look, when we do these things together, we can come together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, now look, when God hear us sing praises, he wants to have one voice. We can't come in here and effectively praise God when we upset, mad, grumbling, got strife with each other. Then we're going to come in here and try to offer up a praise to God. We're going to be out of tune. Amen. Y'all need to say, amen. Have you ever heard a choir that just out of? You know, when you got to tell the sound guy, turn that mic down. Let them sing, but we ain't going to let nobody hear them. Because they just out of, and when you're out of tune, you mess up the, when you come to church and you're out of tune with where the church is going and what the church is doing, you mess up the, I know y'all didn't want to hear that today, but this is how you're living. If you're living in peace, you're all right with this, but if you causing confusion and chaos, you need to be here today. He said, if we're supposed to get this thing together, we got one voice giving praise and glory to God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. God don't want to hear unfit folk trying to sing praise to him and thinking they're making sweet music when they sound like junk. Did he say one voice, Adrian? <laughs> one voice. Many different ranges, but they sound like giving praise and glory to God the Father and our Lord and Jesus Christ. He said, now look, therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given the glory. So that God will be given the glory. God is glorified when we live in peace and harmony with each other. Just think about it. Some of you come from a pretty large family. You ever gone to a family reunion or around Christmas time, Thanksgiving time, you got the family together? And mom and dad, you know, the, the patriarchs and the matriarchs of the family, they sitting there. And they just so glad to see the family. And everybody's eating and talking and having fun. And then all of a sudden, two nuts just go off. <laughs> Cousin Bobo come in and he got something against Auntie Jojo. And all of a sudden, they're just going to go off. And guess what? When they do that, they don't honor Mama and. So this Christmas, as you sitting around, don't you be cutting Jojo. When your mama and your dad is sitting there with you, Realize that you are there to honor. And when you cut the food in front of them, that let them want to know, who did I raise? I didn't raise him to be like that. And so if y'all parents think like that, why is it wrong for God to say the same thing? I didn't raise them to be like that. I didn't teach them to live like that. I didn't teach them to act like that. I taught them to be like my son. And we got to realize that just like God accepted us, we got to accept others. God didn't wait till we got a right to accept us. He accepted us, you know, while we were the hot mess. Amen. So sometimes, cousin Jojo, Auntie Sarah, 
It's just a hot mess. But, but you can't let them destroy your peace. You got to show them the same love that God showed you when you were the hot. Because I'm trying to keep peace at the family reunion. At, at Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving is a couple weeks. And some of y'all going to need this lesson. Amen. Some of you online, not those who sitting here, but some of you online, you're going to need this at Thanksgiving dinner. Don't go to grandmama's house and cut the food. You and your sister been going at it on Facebook, and then all of a sudden now you're going to show up and mess up grandmama's peace. I believe in reading the scripture, but I believe in being practical too. Because I know if you don't live, in order to live these things, you're going to have to live it more in a practical way in order for your spirituality to show up. Because people will see you acting practically long before they sense that you got a deep spiritual understanding. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We see that peace and harmony in the church is not automatic. Paul had to appeal to the Corinthian church to live in harmony and peace. Now, this is a church that was endued with spiritual gifts. I mean, they could prophesy, they can do all things. Later on, he'd tell them that, you know, they didn't have love. But they was a gifted church. But in order for them to live like God wanted them to live, they had to live in peace. And so, therefore, word had got back to Paul and told him that there was some division going on in the church because there was a, you know, a cult of personality. There was some in the church that I like this one over that one. I follow this one, but I don't follow that one. And somebody carried the tea back to him. You know, you, you got to realize that when you're cutting up, somebody will tell on you. Some, somebody will tell on But I want to say this. If you're going to be the recipient of someone bringing you something back, then when you take it to somebody else, you got to reveal your source. If you're going to carry it further, then reveal your source. If not, keep it to your... I just got something I want to say, but I can't tell you who said no. 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 I don't know who said it. Because who said it got weight. There are some folks whose word don't mean nothing. Ain't got no... Wait. So if certain people say, yeah, oh yeah, credibility there, but some folks ain't got no credibility. No, I ain't gonna run with it. Who said it? I know y'all were gonna like that. Look, look at this. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians. He says, now look, in one verses 10 of chapter 1, he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. He says, I'm, I'm begging you, I'm urging you to live in harmony and let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. In other words, it don't mean that we're going to all think alike, but when it comes to the vision and what God is calling us to do, we got to be on the same page. We got to be in the same thought and in the same purpose. Why are we doing this? Do we have the same purpose? Because if we don't have the same purpose, we got multi-purposes trying to do the same thing, we're going to have a multi-mess. He says, for some members of Chloe's household, somebody said Chloe's household. He said, now look, somebody from Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my dear brothers and sisters. Somebody brought it back to me. And I, I don't know what your one was, but I'm going to tell you what house you can go for asking. It was some of Chloe's. It was some of Chloe's folk. They've been, they been checking y'all out. They've been seeing how y'all acted in church. And I want you to know they done came back to pastor. It was somebody from Chloe's house. Just, just figured they need to stop by my office. Just somebody from Chloe's house. Just figured they just need to tell me something. I'm just using that as an analogy. Nobody knocked on my door this last week, so... Don't y'all go let y'all mind wonder who done been in the pastor's office? Well, if you ain't been doing nothing, stirred up nothing in the church, you ain't got nothing to worry about. But if you've been stirring up, Chloe may have already spoke. Oh, Lord, help me right here. Now, look here. 
He says, for some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrel, my dear brothers and sisters. He said, now this is the problem. Some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. We like Paul. You know, he's the traveling evangelist. He's the guy that's, you know, got this powerful ministry to the Gentiles. But others are saying, I follow Apollos. Apollos. See, Apollo was an articulate guy. He didn't know much, but he could talk real good. And so, you know, he had to get educated, you know, when he was teaching something, he only knew up to the baptism of John. He didn't know about grace. He didn't know about all the other things he did. But he was very articulate, and some people like that. They like, well, I'm following Apollos. That's okay. But Apollos ain't Jesus. He says, and then somebody say, you know, because we Jews, we follow Peter. Peter's our guy. And then there's the super holy ones, Cliff, they want to make a thing today, all that. But we only follow Jesus. We only follow Christ. Now, see, they were wrong for even bringing Christ's name into conversation with his servants like that. Trying to make people think that they're just following Jesus, when in reality, they was trying to say that they were better than everybody else because they thought they was following Jesus. And then he says this. Has Christ been divided into factions? You know, that's one of the things that hurt the church. I don't care what the church is, what size the church, big church, small church. People will break up into little groups. It's just the way it is. We, we got subgroups here striving. I mean, all kinds of groups. Now, some of them are good groups. They're designed to do certain things. But when they're a faction, that's different. I ain't got no problem when the gun guys want to go shoot guns. You know, the, the cooking ladies that want to do some cooking, the bakers, no problem, they're a faction, they're no problem. Man. But while they're baking in there, if they're trying to usurp the church, that's the issue. While they're out on the gun range, instead of them looking at their target, they're talking about what they don't like. You know, when the foodies go out, having a great time in the dance line, but they should be in there talking bad about the minister. And when the ministers get together, they should be talking about the membership. Because we're all in the same family. We got the same parents. There's only one head to the body, and that's Jesus. And so he said, now look, has Christ been divided into factions? Newsflash, every church got them. Every church. Big church, little church. Mega church, minimum church. Every church that got folk in it, got factions. Y'all just don't want to love everybody to the same degree. I've been doing this for 25 years. I ain't just making stuff up. It's just something about human beings and human nature. They just choose one person over another. And ain't nothing wrong with that. Just don't talk about the one you don't choose. Leave them alone. Don't put them in your conversation. Don't, don't make them a part of your life plan. then, Cliff, we got a staff of ministers here. I don't need folk coming. Ah, pastor ain't preaching. No, look, I ain't going to church. What? Who preaching? It should make no difference. You coming to get the word. You ain't hooked on the personality. We have to show to our members when we have our little, you know, our power night, we have to put them up in advance. Because some of y'all won't be surprised. Because y'all will say, if they don't tell me who preaching, I ain't coming. So get what y'all got us doing. We got to put pictures up there. And then some of y'all still ain't going. <laughs> I'm just trying to be real here in this moment to tell you that, hey, 
even in striving, if we're not careful, that could be. He says, has Christ been divided into factions? Was our Paul crucified for you? And were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? And he says, of course not. The point he's trying to make to us is that when we come to church, this is supposed to be all about Jesus, not about us. He is a star. He is the main character. He is the one that gets all the glory and the honor. We don't come here to steal his glory and to steal his honor. We come here to elevate him and not elevate ourselves. It is not about us. So when I try to tell you this, don't fall in love and start liking the human personality that stand up here. Because if you do that, when this person up here lets you down, then you'll want to stop doing what God's called you to. Your focus should be on Jesus when you come to church and his word and let that word minister to you in your heart and then get past the human person. See, some of us will be better off if we came to church with blindfolders on. So we couldn't have to see the person up there that preached because some of y'all just the sight of something. Just, just wreck your peace. They hit the stage, your peace. I said some. I ain't say all y'all know. Some of y'all got together. Y'all done got grew up. But there's some folks that just, ugh, just, just can't listen to him. You can't do what? You just can't. Listen to them? You're supposed to be listening to their word. Get beyond them and focus on the... A bad preacher can give you a good... Amen! At the end of 2 Corinthians, this problem with, you know, on one accord in the church, he didn't solve it with the first letter. So when he got to the end of the second letter in the book of Corinthians, Paul had to close his letter, including harmony and peace. He done wrote these folks a whole first letter, trying to get them to live on one accord and do things right. Got all the gifts in them, had to teach them a whole chapter just about love. Then at the end of another letter, he got to still bring up harmony, because he must have realized People are fickle. Some folk just fickle. The littlest of things can upset their peace. I mean, some people come to church, they get out of their car, they just, oh man, they're ready to meet Jesus, and they walk in, and the wrong person speaks to them. And they just, oh God. And now you make the pastor's job harder because now your peace is gone. You ain't in harmony with us. You come to church to be in harmony. While the word is going forth, you want your mind to be at peace. You don't need to be wrestling with other folk in your head while you're trying to hear God's word. Your heart and your mind need to be clear so the spirit of God can speak to you. But if you come in church and people can rob you of your that experience. Why come here if you can't leave with look what he told them 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 11 and 12 he says dear brothers and sisters I close my letter with these words. He gave them some charges here. He says one be joyful. Somebody say be joyful. We say the joy of the Lord is our so therefore when you come to church and when you leave here be Joyful don't mean you're going to be happy about everything that comes in your life, but man, joy is something that comes from deep down on the inside of you. So he's saying, look, be joyful. Do all you can to hold on to your joy. Don't let people rob you of your joy. Happiness come and go based on circumstances and situations, but man, you got to hold on to your Teach command them, be joyful. Don't think about it, just I got I to gotta thank if do I want. No, you don't need to thank if you need me. If you think about it too long, you ain't going to have joy because your mind, if it ain't peace, going to disrupt your joy. So he says, be joyful. Grow to maturity. Somebody said, grow up. You can't be a baby in church for all your life. 
You got 10 years coming to church faithfully on Sunday, and you still acting like a two-year-old. He's just saying, grow up. Grow to maturity. What that mean? Grow up. That's how we say it in the hood. Just grow up. Man, Tom, you just grow. Just think about it in the natural. Children have progression stages. That's why we call them infants and toddlers, children, child, little small child, young adult, teenagers, and all that. Now, guess what? You got your child that you have brought into this world, and now they 13 years old, and you still breastfeeding. That just don't even look right, do it? I mean, that be, let me put it away. They are still on milk. Your milk. 13 years old. You, unless something's just wrong with your child, you go, man, it's time for you to grow. You got 32 teeth in your mouth. It's time for you to start, it's time for you to start eating some solid food. And so it's the same way in church. It's time for us to get off little nursery rhymes when we come to church. It's time for us to get into some of the deeper principles of God's word so we can just grow up. And when you're trying to teach people to live right, that means they got to grow up. When I was a child, I acted like a child. I thought like a child. I spank like a child. But at some point in time, I had to grow up. You go to church, Herb, so we can grow. Grow up. Everybody else expect us to grow up. Why can't God expect us to? He said grow to maturity. Grow to the fullness of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. Then he says, encourage each other. So share words that will strengthen and encourage one another. Then he come back to that theme. Live in harmony and peace. Live in harmony. Man, when you get out of harmony and peace with folk, you know they're immature because babies just fuss and fight all the time. You know, you put two little toddlers together, three, three years old. You ain't got to teach them how to bite, how to pull hair. Some just going to come over. Just going to come over. You know, y'all, y'all done got the reports from nursery. He bit today. <laughs> you know, y'all done, all y'all done had a little biter. And then when you get that note coming home, you're saying to yourself, I didn't teach them that because you don't want to be embarrassed. They done wrote my little baby up for a biter. I didn't teach you. Going, I didn't teach them that. I didn't teach them. I'm a good parent. I didn't teach them that. Yeah, the, the, the enemy was already in that little rascal. <laughs> they were conceived in sin. You don't have to teach them to bite. <laughs> the enemy going to teach them to bite. You got to teach them not to bite. So that's why it's important for us to grow up and live in harmony and peace. He says, then the God of love and peace will be with you. He said, now when you do those things, set of conditions, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Then he tells them, greet each other in Christian love. Which want to bring me to my last point. And I want to close by saying this. We have an obligation to love. God has commanded us to love. And when Christians can love one another like God loves us, then the outcome of that is peace and harmony. But if you don't know how to love people like God loves you, then you're not going to find peace and harmony with some of those folks you've got a problem with. And so he had to tell them this. And then in Romans chapter 13, this is what he said. He says, oh, I'm in verse 8 of chapter 13, and this is my last turn. He says, oh, nothing to anyone. Somebody say, oh, nothing. Oh, nothing to anyone. He said, except for your obligation to love one another. He said, now look, always pay off your car note. Pay your rent. Uh-huh. Pay your credit card debt. 
I mean, you went to college, pay your student loan. If Joe Biden don't get you off the hook, <laughs> pay them folk back. Amen. Because you owe them. <laughs> and you are obligated, you, you got to pay them back. He says, so don't owe the credit card, man. Pay him. But when it comes to love, Cliff, you cannot pay it off. No matter how much you pay down on it, you still owe more. The only debt that you should never get out from under is love. Love is supposed to be with you all your life. If God released you from your love debt, it would be like him releasing you from himself. Y'all better get that today. Because God is. And so for him to free you of that obligation to love somebody, he would say, hey, I'm going to free you from myself. So no matter how long you live, you're going to always owe somebody love. And if you're married, I'm telling you, you need to be finding love every day. Show the love because there may come a time when you're going to want to. Because you thought your debt was already paid in. And when you think your love debt is paid in full, then you'll stop making payments. He says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. He said, now look, if we can master this thing called love, it make a whole lot of other things in our life so easy. Amen. We wouldn't have to worry about See, we don't walk around with the Ten Commandments, you know, stamped on our foreheads, on our wrists. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, you know, thou shalt not covet, you know, thou shalt not... Honor thy father and mother, you know, only thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not do this. Oh, so I can't remember that. It's just too difficult. I got the first three. But did we get down to the other one? Fornication, adultery. Ah, I can't remember all of them. He said, okay, I ain't going to try to make you remember all of them. I just want you to remember one. Love. Forget the other nine. Just remember this one. Because this one fills the requirements for all the rest of them. And so what I'm trying to tell some of you, you ain't going to get out of here today talking about, he just made that too difficult for us. You know, we just, no, no, no. <laughs> all you need to walk out of here today is with love your neighbor as you love you. If you ain't going to slap you, don't slap your neighbor. If you don't wake up cussing you out in the morning, don't cuss your neighbor out. If you don't want your neighbor sleeping with your wife, don't you sleep with your... If you don't want your neighbor stealing from you... Let me read it because I don't already preach it. Let me just go and read because this is what he said. So many words. He just tell you. He said, now look. He says, if you love your neighbor you will fulfill the requirements of the law. For the commandments say, don't try to worry about this because this is what y'all try to jump off the train at. For the commandments say, you must not commit adultery. Pastor Bolden say, love your neighbor. And you won't sleep with his wife. Forget, forget about it. commit adultery. You ain't got to think about that. Just think about, I love my neighbor. I ain't going to mess with his children. I love my, I ain't going to steal from my neighbor. You must not murder. Man, can you imagine what our court system would be like if we could just tell people, hey, love your neighbor and you won't have to drive by Take him out. Love your neighbor. And y'all wouldn't have to be in a city where we got to get revenge on one another. Love your... You won't commit murder. Lawyers will just go out of business. The court system will get unpacked with all this crazy. The jails will start letting some folks won't have to go. I mean, I'm always hearing about violence in our city. Gun violence, gun violence, gun violence. 
Yeah, because I'm about not love. I love my gang more than I love my neighbor. So therefore, when my gang say I got to retaliate against my neighbor, I'm going to go along with my You must not steal. If you love your boss, don't steal from his company. You do inventory at the restaurant, don't, don't, don't switch the numbers around. If six number 10 came in today, put six number 10s on the inventory. Don't put five and you take the sixth one home. See, when I was in the military, I didn't know that when I was taking the government stuff home with me, I was stealing. I didn't think about it like that. I mean, all they pens and paper at my house. <laughs> U.S. government written all over it. <laughs> in my house. I didn't ask nobody, could I take it with me? I just, just order extra box. And when I order a box, I order one for myself. Stealing. That would let me know I didn't really love the government like I said I love the government. I was just looking for the paycheck. Now some of y'all walking off y'all job right now with stuff that don't blow you. You need to stop it. Because you know better now. Because <laughs> you love your boss. You love your company that you're working for. You love them on the 1st and 15th. They love them on the, on the second through the 13th. Amen. He said, now look, you must not covet. See, everything that your neighbor got, you don't need to have. Your peace gone because you came to church and saw somebody else got some shoes and you all of a sudden now, boy, boy. You ain't even heard Jesus say, boy. <laughs> boy. Ooh, that, that dress that she, ooh, that dress is kicking, that dress, that talking, that thing, talking, that just talking. I, I just, got to give me one. You wouldn't even think about no dress. Came to church looking for Jesus, but all of a sudden now, a dress is on your mind. Some shoes on your mind. And he's saying, you ain't supposed to covet what other folk got. Now you can admire this stuff. They might admire them shoes you got, but I ain't finna run out and buy none. Not right now. <laughs> so, but that's what caused jealousy and stuff to set in when we start looking at what other people got. And then when we can't get it, then we get jealous of them because they got it. And we can't get it. All of y'all are not going to wear designer clothes. Just get it out your mind. So don't cover it. You, you ain't got enough stacks to wear certain things. Just be real. So ain't no even going over there looking at that label. You know it started three stacks. And you ain't got number three yards. <laughs> you a long peewee. You a long way from there. So ain't no need you sitting there covered in that because you can't pay for it. Get back over here where your three yards will go along. 300 versus 3,000. That's how the young folk talk. I learned that from watching TV, you know. I ain't nothing about no stacks. You know, we used to call them G's, but now they call them stacks. Some of y'all got some stacks. Don't need to get quiet right there. God done bless you with some stacks. But don't covet nobody else's stacks. Amen. He said, you can't cover. Then he says, these and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor. Forget everything else I just read. Just remember that last one when you walk out of here. 
Love your neighbor like you love you. You ain't cussing you every day? Don't cuss your neighbor. You ain't spitting in your face? Don't spit in your neighbor's face. To the same degree that you love you, to that same degree you love your neighbor. That's what God expects of you. You're never going to get out from under that obligation. Pay off your debts. God ain't got no problem with you owing somebody. If you got a house note, a car note, he, this is not telling you you're sinning because you're in debt because the Jews learnt, lent people money. So God would have been willfully causing people to sin. This is just saying you sin when you don't pay them folk you owe. Amen. And look, this is a newsflash for you. Every 30 days, for 30 days, you're free. Amen. That's why they call it grace. When you pay that bill, you got 30 days of grace. You ain't got to worry about it. So don't even worry about your next payment, Brother JP. Don't even worry about the next payment. I just made it today. I got 29 days of grace, man. I'm just going to live, live. And then when 28 come and I ain't got it, then now that's different. But if I live right, I'm believing when the next payment comes, I'm going to be there. Man, if we live by those principles, these little long sharks would be out of business. God's folks shouldn't be going trying to get these double loans to pay off stuff. Pay folk on time and you won't get behind. And don't overextend yourself. If you ain't got stacked money, don't go out there and buy stacked stuff. Amen. Now, ain't nothing that steal your peace and your joy that when your money get funny. <laughs> Don't y'all get too holy on me right there. Because some of y'all right now have a fit, but you look in that checkbook and them numbers off. So the point I'm trying to get you to see here is that God is trying to get us to live in a way that is going to glorify him and is going to allow us to live in peace and harmony with each other. But if we got love sitting at the very top of that pinnacle, then guess what? All those other things fall in place. The fruit of the spirit start off with love. And then he says, love does not wrong others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. Amen? Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. <laughs> Amen. So as we love one another, we got to learn to follow the example of Jesus Christ because he is our example of what love looked like when it's sacrificial, when it's willing to do for someone else the things that they can't do for themselves. Amen? At this time, we're going to come now and our praise dancers are going to share a dance with you and then we'll come back and make our appeal. So if our dancers are ready, will you please come? Yeah. Hallelujah. 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 On the altars of our heart, God, let love reign. On the altars of our heart, God, let peace reign. On the altars of our heart, Lord, let joy reign. On the altars of our heart, let us live in harmony, God. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. Here on this altar. Hallelujah. 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 God, make us an altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah. Our first appeal is for salvation. If you're here and you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, now's the time. If that is you, whether you're online or whether you're in the house, if you're online, just give us a call here at the church, 850-862-3899. If you're in the house, I just ask that you raise your hand at this time. Raise your hand if you're saying, yes, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. 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 My second appeal, if you're here and you're looking for a church home, whether you're online or in the house. If that is your desire, will you please raise your hand? Please raise your hand. If you 
Spirit of God is telling you to strive for perfection ministry to play for you, please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. My third appeal is for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. If you're here and you want to know more about the baptism with the Holy Spirit, we have literature that we share. We have ministers that will minister to you. Please raise your hand. If that is you, please raise your hand. See no hands. Then my final appeal is for our altar time. If you desire to come to the altar for prayer, you can. If you desire to stand at your seat, however the Lord is leading you, we invite you to come. Get your hearts and your mind set on prayer. Seek God through your faithful prayers to him. The Bible tells us we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Those things that God is revealing to us that we need more of in our lives. We need to carry those things to him in prayer. God sincerely wants us to experience his peace. Not just with him, but with one another. He wants us to have harmony in our lives. But above all, he wants us to be children who truly understand how important love is. So important, important that he would admonish us to love our enemies. Bless those that persecute us. So important that he would love us enough to let Jesus die for us. So I just ask that if wherever you are, what place you're standing in or seated in or kneeling in, that you open yourself up to the Spirit of God. Let him minister to you during this time of prayer. So therefore, prayer is an exchange. Sometimes you just need to listen to what God is trying to tell you as he's speaking to your spirit. Get the clutter out. Block out all the distractions. Focus in on the one who we came here to honor. And believe that he will minister to you by his spirit. Because he is a spirit. Hallelujah. The spirit is our comforter. He's our leader. He's our teacher. He's our guide. God, he's the one that continues to reveal your son to us. We can't do anything apart from your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come to you now. And we come boldly before your throne, whether we are standing in our seat, sitting in our seat, kneeling at the altar. Because we realize that wherever we, we are, your throne is there. God, we thank you for giving us a willingness and a heart and a mind to come to you in prayer. And God, some, we come casting our cares on you because we know you care for us. God, we come boldly before the throne of grace because we know that you are faithful and just. God, we come confessing those things that are not like you because you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, some is coming just praying for your strength today, God. You know the mountains, you know the challenges that we have in our lives. And God, we just pray for your strength in those situations. God, there's some that may need comfort today, God, and we just pray that you would show yourself to be the God of all comfort that can give both comfort and peace during our times of trials and troubles. God, we know that you're a God that can also restore our joy because we know the joy of the Lord is our strength. So therefore, God, we just ask that you give us that joy. Give us that joy, God. Give us that peace. Give us all those things that can surpass our own understanding. Move in our hearts and our minds by your spirit, God. Speak to us right now, individually and collectively, God. Speak to us as only you can. 
God, our hearts are open, our minds are open, our ears are open, God. We, we want to hear from you, God. We done heard your word, God. We see what your words say about peace and harmony and love. Now, God, speak to our hearts by your spirit. Show us, God, what we need to do and how we need to carry ourselves and the things that will represent you in this earth, God. And those of us that are making petitions, God, and making our requests and supplications known to you, God, I pray that you would incline your ear down. Hear their cry. You know where they are, God. You know what they're going through. But we realize like David, yea, that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil because we know that you are with us. So therefore, God, we know that you comfort us, you give us peace, and God, we thank you for that. And now, God, I just ask that you continue to allow us to represent you in earth, God. Continue to lead us by your spirit. God, and if we err, God, we just pray that you gently get us back in line. Bring us back to the rightful place that you have for us. God, we ask that you allow us to be lights to this dark world that we're living in. Let us leave here, represent your son, Jesus Christ, so that the world may know that we are here by the way that we love one another. We don't need to know the whole Bible to let the world know that we know Jesus. We just need to know how to love one another. And the world will know that we belong to you. And God, I thank you for making that so simple for us. That we can do those things and people will see you in us. We thank you for counting us worthy to carry your gospel to those who don't know us. We're just ordinary clay pots, God, but you have entrusted us with a treasure that we're willing to share. And now, God, I just ask that you continue to lead us, guide us, give us the confidence and the boldness that we need to go forth from this place to be a blessing to this world. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. amen. Say amen again. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated.